Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome. Uh, glad you guys are all here today. Some of you guys are going, whoa, this is really different. Uh, there are three times, yeah, there are three times as many teachers up there. What does that say about the time? Uh, <laughs> Buckle up. Yeah. I hope you didn't have lunch plans. That's all I have to say. Uh, no, so we're, uh, what we want to do, we're in this series called Unspeakable Joy, and we wanted to take some time and, and walk through this next section of scripture together. And so I've invited uh, one of our elders, Larry Sewell, one of our pastors, Matt Smith, also one of our Matts. Uh, and then also, uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Fritz. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here as well. Super glad you're here in the house. Want to welcome everybody joining us online, whatever location you're at today. And so uh, we're just diving into this scripture in Luke chapter 1 uh, for a little bit of context. If you were here last uh, weekend, or, or maybe you missed, uh, we started off in the Gospel of Luke. And what we spent time talking about was both the prophecy of the birth of John, uh, but also we got into the actual birth and what that meant for the kingdom, uh, what that means for us, and how all of that ties into this theme and this idea of joy. And so we're kind of continuing on uh, in that this morning. And so uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to read the passage, and then we're just going to dive in and kind of get into a discussion about that. So, uh, yeah, if we're ready to go. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'm reading from the ESV, but you can follow along with the version that you have. It says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, well, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God." And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And look at Mary's reply. My soul magnifies 
the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of this servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Oh man, there is so much good stuff there. Now let me preface our conversation here really quickly. Um, we, the, everything you're about to encounter is, is unscripted, so I, don't, I have no idea what this guy is about to say, uh, so be ready. <laughs> um, but what, one of the reasons we wanted to do this is, um, we, one, we thought it would be helpful to have a conversation around Scripture, um, because this is what we do every week in our teaching team. You might not know this, but Lighthouse Community has a teaching team uh, that meets together weekly to discuss uh, the passages um, and the things that we talk about together on Sunday mornings. And so we thought, hey, how cool would it be to peel back what does that look like? But then also, this is a little bit of a, a preview. If you've never been in a small group, mm-hmm. this is kind of what we do there as well. It is not not unusual. This is exactly so. Our teaching team is doing the same thing that our small groups are doing on a regular basis. So it's uh, God is teaching us through Scripture, and so it's not just. Uh, I mean, it would be easy to sit out there and think, uh, uh, "Well, Fritz has come up with some great thing to teach this week." That's and, most likely not the case. Yeah. Other people have done that. Well, and yeah, helped. there's been so many people involved from like a year ago planning out series right. that we're thinking about. So I think that's uh, that's a huge part of what happens here, and I love to see that. Yes, so it is cool and it is powerful. So let me set the context really quick. So, so last week we had John the baptizer, his prophecy, his birth. And then you have what's happening here, which is really the prophecy of the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and this account seems to be exposing three really critical things that I think are worth unpacking here. One is the, uh, are the supernatural conditions around Jesus' birth. Right? We'll talk about that. Uh, secondly, you've got Mary's obedience in the whole process. And then you've got this outflow of joy from being included in God's plan. And so uh, I think that's kind of what we're going to walk through in the passage here this morning. So if we can, let's start with the supernatural conditions of Jesus' birth, because um, that is really apparent here. What, what are some things that are sticking out to you guys when you're reading through this passage on the account of Jesus' birth? Well, the, kind of the first thing that jumps out is uh, there has been 400 years of silence. Uh, the last prophet, Malachi, uh, spoke 400 years ago. And now, when God has decided he's going to speak, uh, the angel Gabriel, the one who stands in the presence of God, is there. And he picks uh, Mary and Joseph, these, these two young people who are poor, uh, to be the ones who hear uh, the, 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 the peeling back of God's plan. Yeah. There's this, there's, this, uh, there's this theme of God's grace in here that is just like screaming out to me uh, because when it, you know, even when Gabriel comes to, to Mary, uh, he says, greetings, favored woman. And so I was doing some reading and like that, that actually references back to like Judges 6, you know, where uh, the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, oh, Gideon, you man of valor. And I, if you remember, Gideon's like hiding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, right. and so he comes and he says, favored woman, she's confused by that. And he says, he says, you found favor with God. And that word favor there, I think is really interesting. That's what jumped out to me in studying this was that's, that's, that's grace. 
is yes. what that is. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the word charis. It's, 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 it's representative of God's grace. And so grace being something that you can't earn. Uh, it is not something that you can, you can do something to earn it. And so it's, but it's also twofold because it's not just, it's not just uh, that you can't earn it, but it's also the, the other part of grace is that it's, it's the empowerment of God. It's God's power to kind of increase our capacity to be able to do uh, something that, like she says, uh, how can this be? You know, how can this even happen? And, uh, and God's really saying, well, it's not, by, it's not by anything man can do. Yeah, there's, there's that twofold grace, right? So one is that uh, God chose Mary. Um, yep. And we don't actually know a lot about Mary's history probably outside of the Gospels. There's some legend and there's some general ideas, but as far as the Scripture, what we know is from here. And so uh, Mary, ch- or excuse me, uh, God chose Mary and Joseph in this process. Uh, and why did he do that? Um, from a bit of a standpoint, because he's sovereign and he's in charge, and so he right he will include he, who he wants to include, and so there's a grace level on that. Um, but then also, uh, God gave Mary the grace to be able to walk in fellowship with him through this whole process. Because we we look at this story and we go, oh, how amazing, how wonderful! You know, Mary got to got to carry Jesus. And she had to be the mother of Jesus. And we think about this in such a wonderful and a doting uh, you know, framework. But you have to put yourself into first century context. You have this young teenager, right, like 15, 16, maybe 17 years old. And she has an angel come to her and say, you're going to be the mother of God in the flesh, right? Um, usually when teenagers say something like that, you drug test them, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's step one. (laughs) And then step two, when she is actually pregnant and she's not fully married to Joseph yet, right? There's like, again, we're looking at this all whitewashed, clean, really, really wonderfully on the back end, but in the midst of it, it's like, what I mean, we're talking about shame. Yeah, how am I how am I going to trust God in in the presence of like incredible shame, right? In her culture. Yeah, and so this grace that God gives upon her is to sustain, right? It's the invitation in, but it's also sustaining her through the process. I wonder what it would have been like uh, for Mary uh, the next day to be having dinner at home. Okay. She, she, knows, she knows what's going on because the angel has told her, okay, but she's not showing. And she knows, and she's talking to her mom and her dad, probably. We don't know the details, okay, but then two months goes by, and then, then four months go by, and it is no longer possible to hide anything. And what do you say? You know, you're Mary, and you're at home, and you're talking to your dad. What do you say? I mean, this whole thing is this crazy, crazy thing has to be swirling in her head. Sometimes when I read scripture, I read the stories and we kind of sterilize them and it's the cute baby in the snow and the angels. And, you know, the, but it's like, this is a girl in a desperate circumstance. What does she do? Yeah. In a culture where, and, and again, this, this is just the culture, I'm not necessarily supporting per se, but in a culture where uh, a woman's testimony wasn't even allowed in court to be able right. to dismiss them, they weren't, you know, they weren't property owners, they weren't, there's a lot of things that they were limited to be able to do, and so then to be able to say, no, no, it's God's, <laughs> believe me, <laughs> um, that's pretty fantastic, right? This, this is the world she's living in, and I think, too, um, when, I, when, when Gabriel says, listen, don't be afraid, um, when I was thinking back through the Old Testament, and, and not everyone, but most encounters when an angel shows up, 
Okay, those of you guys who have some, some biblical knowledge in the Old Testament, when angels show up to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Okay. Um, when angels show up to Moses when he hasn't obeyed God yet, when angels show up uh, when Balaam is heading back, when angels show up in Egypt during the Exodus, okay, so I want you to think about this. For the major, the historical context, when angels show up, it's typically not an exciting moment, right? They're coming, they're like, right? Like, they're just, yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's, that's angel judgment, right? Okay, <laughs> there's some ninja moves in there, judo chop. Um, but so, right, so this is going on. So an angel shows up, and Gabriel says, listen, don't, don't be afraid. This is not that moment. This is actually a moment of great grace. This is a, gr- a moment of amazing, uh, you know, expectation of what's going on here. So I think, all, right, think about all of that stuff is wrapped up in this moment. You know, isn't this just like God to, to choose somebody? So it's like throughout Scripture, God's really clear that, that he gives grace to the humble, right? right? And so God chooses somebody. It's like just like God to choose somebody who the world would not think, like, this is the way that God's going to do this. You know, and I, and I suspect even the coming of the Messiah, they thought that something was going to be, it was going to be much bigger, uh, and it was maybe in reference to overthrowing Rome, but it's like God chose uh, a, somebody who possessed humility, but somebody who was like socially lower than other people, and, and, uh, and there was a lot of shame surrounding it, and, and yet this is how God chose how to work. Yeah, confounding the wisdom of the wise, right? And so uh, here's... Uh, and, and don't get me wrong at all. Uh, what Mary's faith and trust in God is, is remarkable. But if I can just kind of shift the spotlight for a second, um, just so that we realize, like, Mary is not the hero of this story, right? Like, God used her in a remarkable way, and, and we are grateful, uh, and we honor her faith. But the real hero of the story is it's Jesus Christ, right? Like, and so it's, it's his birth that's going to change history, uh, change it for everybody. And so what, what Gabriel says is, listen, you're going to have, you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to name him Jesus. By the way, uh, you, Jesus is actually the Greek form of the Hebrew name Yeshua, which literally means Savior, or God saves, or the Lord is my salvation, okay? So that's literally what Jesus' name means. Um, and the angel gives five, excuse me, five, <laughs> uh, five predictions uh, about what Jesus is going to be like. It's, he's going to be great. He's going to be called Son of the Most High. Um, he's going to be given the throne of David. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. So let's dive in a little bit around kind of surrounding the, the person of Christ uh, here in this account. What are some things that you guys are seeing really clearly here? You know, Jesus is the uh, other places in Scripture. He is the, the image of the invisible God. It's God in the flesh. We're not talking about a baby that learned later that he was divine or something like that, but this is, this is God who has taken on humanity. When you think about it, it's, uh, the world has been going on since creation. Jesus is the one through whom the world was created. Right. And now uh, the, the, the curtain is being peeled back, and God is invading the reality of our lives. He is entering our mess in the person of Jesus. It's an incredible story. He, he is the one who explains perfectly uh, who God is. Um, in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. 
Those are the words of uh, the author of Hebrews. God has uh, spoken to us through Jesus, the, the kind of the um, quintessential uh, speech of God, the communication of God, uh, the clearest it could possibly be seen is seen in the person of Jesus. To see Jesus is to know God. And, and, and to piggyback on that real quick, so uh, this uh, name of being called the Son of the Most High, it's exposing this point of equality right. to, to Larry's point. This is not like a, a child who's born and then later God adopts him right. as his son from the beginning. He has equality with God. If you look in Philippians chapter 2, we won't do it right now, but if you go there and check, you see that that is exactly what's talked about. Um, In this culture, uh, sons were seen as carbon copies um, of the father. And to be the son of so-and-so was actually to be referred to that that son possesses the father's qualities, right? He's just like the Father. And so all of that is wrapped up in this personhood of Christ. This isn't someone who's similar to God. He's like a version of God. It's like he is, right? Well, and amidst all those promises too, it's like uh, it becomes really clear this was God's plan to rescue everyone from sin and death from the very beginning. You know, it's like like laying out all this prophecy. So it's not like this is some random way that that this that God came into the world. This was all very very specific, and all these things point to that. And God's just affirming uh, affirming that you know what what verse thirty seven says for the for the word of God will never fail. God will always keep His promises. And I think that that fact that that's how that's what Mary responded to. It's like blessed are you because you believed what God. Said he would do. Right. So now we're pointing back to Isaiah 7, we're Isaiah 9, 2 Samuel 7 with the Davidic covenant, all, even all the way back to Genesis 12, right? Like through you, all the peoples of the world are going to be blessed. This is that moment, right? This is that moment where God is bringing fulfillment uh, to uh, all of his promises that he's laid out ahead of time. And so I think you're right. The word of God never fails, God always keeps his promise. It's interesting that when uh, Mary speaks, this little piece is called the Magnificent, and she's, she's actually prophesying. And, and when she refers to Jesus, she calls him God, my Savior. Yeah. It's not God, my baby, not God, my son. It's God, my Savior. She understands uh, the purpose for Jesus in, in that, little, that little speech she gives at the end. I think what I love about that section of Scripture is Mary kind of starts off in this wonderment of oh my goodness, how is it that God would use me? Right? She, she exposes her own lowly in state and her humility and, and then recognizes this is probably going to be a pretty important moment in history. And then for the entire rest of her... Uh, by, by the way, I don't even know what a Magnificat is. But uh, <laughs> it sounds wonderful, though. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but she, for the whole rest of her Magnificat, she simply goes through praising God's character. Right? Like she's, she's just putting that up for us to see. So she talks about his holiness. She praises him because he's merciful. Um, she celebrates his strength. Um, she points to the fact that God resists the proud and he cares for the poor. And I love the, that, those last couple of passages in 54 and 55 where she's saying, listen, God's a promise maker. But he doesn't just make promises, he's a promise keeper. And we're seeing it and we're experiencing it right now 
in this moment. And so I, I do think like whenever there are massive movements in the lives of people that are led by God, this seems to be the ending point. It, I think it's the, the point that you just made, Larry. It's like, it's not like, oh, this is, I am awesome. <laughs> you right. know, look at the work of my hands. Right. I think when God it really shows up in somebody's life, the, the praise and the celebration and the joy actually turns back to the initiator of it. Right, because like without him, where is Mary in this story? Right, she just, she'll go off and probably marry Joseph and live life. But now everything's changed and everything's different because God showed grace to her in an overwhelming way. Well, yeah, and everything that everything that she says about the character of God demonstrates His grace, and it demonstrates the fact that He gives grace to the humble uh, and resists the proud. So it's like it really is. It, he she lays out the gospel message before. Uh, you know, before it's you know, it's been all throughout Scripture, but she lays it out so clearly because it, it you know it's it says things of like uh, he's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. Uh, he's he's filled the hungry with good things. God has scattered the proud, uh, and and so he it makes me think about Jesus' words when you get to Matthew or to Luke five, and and you know they they're like, why are you hanging out with all these people, these sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, all these people? Mm-hmm. And he says. Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come not to call those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. That's good. So so you see in the account, you've got Elizabeth, um, right? Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. By the way, that was quite a journey. She's living in Galilee. She travels down to Judea. Uh, one's in, in the north, one's in the south, so she makes that trip. And she goes down to visit Elizabeth because I think there's a level where maybe she's confirming what Gabriel has said. And so when she shows up, the unborn infant John, right, John the baptizer, who's in the womb of his mom, Mary walks in and he recognizes who she is from the womb, leaps with joy uh, over Jesus, okay? So you've got Elizabeth, overwhelmed with joy. You've got Mary, overwhelmed with joy. You've got John, from the womb, overwhelmed with joy. Because, and it's all centered around one person. You, got, you have to catch that, right? This is not because everybody's getting what they had always hoped they would get. And they're finally reaching the heights of success, and they've pulled off their five-year goal, you know, their five-year plan, and now we're going to be able... That's not what's happening here. This Actually, all of this, if you want to think about it, this is all an intrusion. Think about this for a second. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth had a plan. They were going to live out their days as single people, retire. I don't know what retired priests do, uh, but, you know, I don't know, maybe play golf. Uh, but um, they're going to do their thing, live out their lives. Joseph and Mary have a plan to get married, start their lives. You know, Joseph's going to build, I don't know, desks and, you know, things for Ikea. Uh, but, uh, you know, all of that. And, and they're going to live their lives, right? That's their plan. And all of a sudden, God shows up. And all of those plans, Gone. And, and yet, I'm not reading about anybody complaining. I'm not reading anybody going, I mean, I get pulled into the most significant story in the history of the world. What's up with that? <laughs> you know, I wanted to make furniture for Ikea. Uh, no, like, like, this is like real stuff. So the centerpiece of this joy is Jesus. And so I wonder, what does that talk to us about the nature of joy? Like, what is behind the true essence of joy when we're looking at it from this account? 
Well, I mean, when Mary says nothing will be or nothing will be impossible with God, I mean, uh, I ask myself, do I believe that? You know, what would I have believed if I were Mary in this circumstance? This is a this is a humble person who who trusts in God. I mean, she is favored by God because of because of that. And God favors us today, people who uh, have that humility, come to God and uh, and seek Him on His terms. Uh, but nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary's response to that is, is, is crazy. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Yeah. Um, she had this uh, complete trust, this complete confidence in what God was saying and what God was going to do. Um, I don't know, maybe she, maybe she remembers being in synagogue when somebody read from Isaiah, a virgin well will conceive and bring forth a son. You know, maybe, maybe she remembered that prophecy from 700 years prior. I'm not sure. Um, but she, she seems like she has this, this overwhelming faith. She trusts that nothing will be impossible with God. And her response to that is, I am your servant. I'm going to go uh, where you want me to go. Yeah, all of your other plans are pushed off the table. It's like, okay, I, had, I, I thought my life was going this way, but now God said something in front of me. And it's like her response is, uh, yeah, I, I actually belong to you. It, what was interesting to me was like even in reading that, it's like uh, with the account with Elizabeth, um, she addresses, she's like, why, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord would visit me? That's actually prophetic. Yeah. She knows who this is. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so all this joy is, being, is coming from the outflow of being included in God's plan, right? We talked a little bit about that last week, that that's really where joy flows out of. And, and chasing after joy in any other place, right, it's chasing after smoke. Uh, the second you get there, it's actually gone. Um, and so you actually have to go chase after something else. But that's, that's not the case of what's going on here. This is the most, this is a fantastic story, right? It's amazing. It's incredible. It's, it's remarkable. Um, it's, it's, you know, the centerpiece, right? Our calendars shift <laughs> on this moment, right? Beforehand, it's B.C., before Christ. Um, and then after, it's A.D., which is Latin for the year of our Lord. I don't know what the A.D. actually is, but that's what it means. It means the year of our Lord. Um, some of you all guys might know what that means. But so all of that hinges that now that Christ has shown up, right, everything, everything is now different. And so joy is being welcomed in uh, on this thing. And so I think there's something to be said for, for us, right? And, and, and the part of that is this is that anything else I'm putting my hope in, anything else I'm hoping that's going to bring me fulfillment is just simply going to fall short. It does not have the legs to go the distance. It does not have the stability to stand up underneath the weight of all of my life, underneath all of my expectations, underneath all of the things that I'm going to face in this world and in this life, that it's instead trusting Jesus alone. And so when you're included... In God's story, right? When that happens for real. You see that here. But in our context, we use the language saying yes to Jesus, right? Like God makes an invitation to us uh, to put our faith in him through Christ, and we say yes to him. Yes as our forgiver. Yes as our leader. Yes as the one who is king and authority over all of it. And so when that happens, right, the scriptures talk about this joy that now resides within me, becomes this natural, almost supernatural, outflow of God's spirit living within me. And it just begins to bubble out, right? It just does. You don't have to force it because it's either there or it's not. 
And so it begins to bubble out. And so when that bubbles out, because you see that happen with Elizabeth, you see this happen with Mary, you see this happen with John, right? All of that's taking place. And so I think one way for us as Christ followers to lean into this joy is to simply do what Christ has asked us to do and the nature of why he came, which is to invite others into God's story as well. You know that God, Jesus actually puts that in front of you and me, is to actually invite other people into God's story. And so I want to give you just a very simple but a powerful step that every single one of us can take here this morning. And it's simply this, right? Uh, Because I think when we talk about inviting people into God's story, um, many times we start thinking about evangelism, we think about sharing the gospel, we think about, you know, all of those things. And for many, uh, we just know you get nervous, I don't know all the things to say. What if they ask me a question? What if they make a point that I can't counterpoint? And then, and then, you know, then it all you know blows up, and and you get really nervous. So here's here's a, a simple but a powerful step that every one of us can take. What if you and I invited a friend or a family member or somebody that we care about simply to join you next Sunday to come and be a part of what God is doing among this family, right? Week in and week out, we recognize that God's presence is in this place. What if you invited people you know to come and be a part of that and simply be exposed to truth and to scripture, to prayer, to, to relationship, right, that's grounded in the unity of the Holy Spirit? Uh, by the way, there's a lot of people right now that are figuring out, they're asking this question. We should, people go to church around Christmas, right? Don't, don't people do it? We should do that too, shouldn't we? What? And then this is the next question. They ask it. What's the next question they ask? Where are we going to go? Now, how amazing would it be that if you showed up at the right time, that as they're thinking, as they're asking that question, you show up and say, I'd like you to come be a part of my family on Sunday mornings, right? That can be God speaking to them through you. Right? and inviting them to come and be a part of it. Literally, God can use an invitation to church to change a person's eternity. Right? And so I put that out in front of you. For me, recently, um, I, I go to the gym a couple times, and so I've made friends with a guy that, that works there. And so recently, I just I invited him. I invited him to come. I know he's, I know he's got a, a family, and so I said, why don't you come and join me? And so simply what I did is I gave him one of our invite cards and said, uh, man, I hope to see you totally, no guilt, no, you know, none of that. Um, and uh, maybe he will, and maybe he won't. But either way, that's okay, because that's not on me, right? But my, my hope and my motivation behind inviting him is that one day soon, he'll experience the joy that I know of walking with Jesus. I know Larry and Matt know of walking, many of you, right? Elizabeth and Mary and John, they experience in walking with Jesus. And so that's just a simple next step. I might encourage you to take that. Um, there's next steps on the back of your connection card. Ian had wrenching that earlier. But take a look, and, and all of those are okay to consider and explore. So um, Amy's playing, so I think that means we need to be about done. <laughs> So we, we get the note. Yeah, this, that was a hint. Yeah, they, they do that on the Oscars. They play you off if you're going too long or something. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So, um, so, so there you go. 
Um, there, there's truth of the, of the passage right there in front of us. Um, and I just want to say thanks to you, Matt. Thanks to you, Larry, kind of coming up and hanging out uh, this morning. Well, I'd, I'd also say this. I'd say, so what happened here this morning is what happens every week in teaching team. This is happening in small groups. This is actually how we can engage Scripture and think about who God is, what his character is. God invites us into meditating on Scripture. We can do that together. So that doesn't need to be like a just a, an, an odd thing. That can happen all the time. Agreed. Well, here's what I want to invite everybody to do. We do it every Sunday. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, and I'm going to ask you to ask the question we ask every Sunday. And it's just simply this. Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message, through the scripture? I want to give you an opportunity to, to hear from him. And I'm going to ask uh, Larry in just a second. He's going, to, he's going to pray for us to close out this morning. But we're going to give you a moment to, to listen to what God may have to say to you. God, we just want to say that we're grateful for your abundant grace and your mercy toward us. That's right. We just want to say thank you for that. And as we, we think about this story, that after 400 years of darkness and 400 years of wandering around uh, unaware and, and not knowing, uh, that when you burst on the scene in, with, with angels and your Holy Spirit and, and the miracles of Christmas, that... Uh, the Savior of the world, God with us, Emmanuel, came to us to show us in clarity who you are. He came that we might believe that we might have eternal life. And the grace of that is just overwhelming. And we can say nothing more, I guess, than just, just thank you as we worship for you for who you are and all that, you're, uh, that you've shown your care for us. We pray uh, in praise of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want to invite everybody uh, here to do this morning is, uh, to stand. We're going to celebrate Jesus uh, singing one more song. And, and one of the things we always do uh, at the end is we have prayer leaders, and they're going to be available in every corner of the room. And so uh, I'm actually going to invite our prayer leaders to head there now. And if you want to pray about any area of your life, uh, we are ready to pray with you. And so don't, uh, don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. Um, you know, maybe there's a healing that uh, you want to see, you're hoping God will do in your life. Maybe there's uh, a relationship uh, to mend. Uh, maybe there's some type of freedom uh, you are hoping for. Um, I want to encourage you, don't resist prayer. Uh, it's an amazing gift. So let me pray, and then we're going to worship. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.